Absolute Radio Country is filled with the best sounds from Nashville 24 hours a day. But even we can't fit in everything. You'll find the full story right here. This is Country Music Talk, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the world of country music. Welcome to the Country Music Talk podcast. I'm Balin Leonard. Every weekday, I'm on Absolute Radio Country for the no-repeat guarantee. You can find us on your DAB radio in the UK. You can ask your smart speaker to play Absolute Radio Country, or you can download the free Absolute Radio app and take us along with you wherever you go. Now, on today's episode, I'm joined by an amazing singer-songwriter described as one of the greatest singer-songwriters of our day and a generational talent. It's the wonderful, the brilliant Brandy Clark. This is the Country Music Talk podcast from Absolute Radio Country. It's Absolute Radio Country. I'm Balin Leonard. I'm so excited because one of my favorite artists, and I'm not saying that because you're sitting here in front of me, genuinely one of my favorite artists, not just in country and Americana music, but in general, is uh, is here an incredible performer, eleven uh, time Grammy nominee. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Tony Award nominee mm-hmm. now as well. Um, she loves coming over to the UK, and we love having her here. Uh, she has a fantastic new album out, self-titled. Her fourth. It's Brandy Clark. Welcome back. Thank you. In fact, this is the one month anniversary of. Brandy Clark. It came out a month ago. Did it? Congratulations. Yes. Happy um, one month anniversary. Happy one month. Or well, I shouldn't say anniversary. It's one month old is what I should <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, it's, it's not even a toddler. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's still a little baby. Yeah. Um, great acclaim for this album. And, and that must feel, I imagine, great for you because, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like one of the things I always say about you when I play you is that you're one of the best artists I know who holds up a mirror to society, to others, to us and on this album it feels like you flipped that mirror around and you're kind of holding it up to yourself is that a fair thing to say that is you're the first person who said that but that's really true and i think a lot of that i made this record with brandy carlisle she produced it and you know i've never made a record with another artist at the producer helm and brandy she forced me to hold that mirror up you know, mm. one thing she said, and I've said it in many interviews, but it, it needs to keep being said early on in the process. It was a little tough for me because she asked me to make some lyric changes to some songs. Right. And I'm not a, a songwriter who just writes a song really fast and records it. I I labor over songs, even if they come quickly. I labor over them like is that right you know there's a lot of thought into it and and the majority of the songs on this record were co-written and so it's not just me laboring over them it's other people who I respect and and to go in and make changes on the fly was really hard for me and the changes she was asking me to make were you know she would like in the song buried um the first line of the second verse was I'll read Lonesome Dove I'll start doing yoga and she said I just I don't think you should have that yoga line and I said, why? And she's like, I just don't believe that you do yoga. And I said, well, I don't. Hurtful. And she said, um, well, then you shouldn't be in the song, you know. And so we, her and I were talking, and I said, I'm good with everything except lyric changes to these songs. And she said, why? And I said, well, because, you know, most of them I didn't write by myself. I feel like it's disrespectful to the co-writers. And I like to be in service to the song. And she said, well, this time I think that needs to change. I think you need to be in service to the artist. And it really jolted me. 
in a positive way. You know, at first I didn't like that. Like, you know, well, because of, it was too introspective, or mm-hmm. you feel like you were revealing too much. Well, I and I felt like I, I think my ego was a little involved. Right, like, of course, yeah. You know, it's hard to get your ego out of things it is. for anyone. I think it is, and you know, it was different for me working with another artist. Mm. You know, and, and a friend, I guess, as and well. And a friend, yeah. And I chose that, and. So I chose it for a reason. I'm glad I chose it. You know, I love the end result. But I think at the beginning of it, I maybe had a little, a harder time acquiescing some control to Brandy that I didn't have with other producers. Right. Because I saw them squarely in the producer lane. Right. Which she was squarely in that lane. But I also had her as my, as another artist who I respect immensely and a friend. And I had to let go of that and be like, okay, Brandy Clark, you need to treat Brandy Carlisle the same way you've treated every other producer. Yeah. Which is, I always think of the producer for me as the last writer on the songs because right. I've never worked with a producer who's a co-writer. So they're coming into those songs for the first time. And every producer I've worked with has changed arrangements, has, nobody's ever asked me to make lyrical changes. That right. was different. Um, but, and I always, I give them a lot of rope because if I could produce my own records, I would. It's not in my Yeah, like box. you work with people who know what they're doing yes. and you trust them to do it. And then yes. when I guess when those lines get a little bit blurred, you think, hmm, hold on here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I never had in the past. Well, I guess I did. It's always hard to remember. Yeah, you know, sure. my manager always reminds me, you know, you felt this way the last time. You know, when <laughs> I start to get really nervous. Um, but I think, you know, when you said that about the mirror... I always feel like a producer, they're coming at it from what their strength is. Mm-hmm. Um, be it, you know, some producers started out as guitar players and others started out as drummers and some producers were songwriters first. So whatever their first thing is, that tends to be their strength. And with Brandy Carlisle, you know, she's a sing- she's a world-class singer. And so she's coming at it from that perspective. And so her focus on the vocals is different than any producer I've worked with. But she's also coming at it as an artist. And so she's good, I think, at turning that mirror on herself. And mm-hmm. so I think when she's in the producer chair, she does that. She helps the artists that she's producing do that. And I guess a lot of times I think that... Um, I'm kind of jealous of songwriters because I think, well, you get to work through so many things mm-hmm. in your life through song you know it's kind of like therapy mm-hmm. through song and and it would be weird to have a, a friend who was a therapist be my therapist mm-hmm. because you you have to reveal so much and there's kind of this invisible wall there that you know there's mm-hmm. a separation but I suppose if you're working with a friend like Brandy mm-hmm. Carlisle and that holds true that you're revealing some stuff about yourself it's kind of a bit raw I suppose to do that with it, a friend yeah it is and also you know whether this is right or wrong, it's the way I view it. I, I view when somebody's producing my record, I kind of view them in an elevated spot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's hard to view a friend in an elevated spot. Like, <laughs> yes. to show those vulnerabilities. Like, yes, that's what I'm, yeah, yeah, I think that's what I mean. Because you do. I mean, you know, they kind of hold your hand through it and break you down and build you back up. And when I say break you down, not like to the point of tears, but just... <laughs> well, friends can do that too. Yeah, I mean, sure, that is true. They just sort of, they, I think they want to get to the heart of the music you're making. And yes. so sometimes to do that, it gets uncomfortable. Sure. 
Um, but then everybody can relate to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the great thing about really personal songs. Either ones that are written ab- about a character and a mm-hmm. kind of an imagined situation or for other artists. But certainly when you're writing about something that's quite personal to you and everybody feels like they're the only person going through that mm-hmm. thing, it's nice to know that, oh, actually, a lot of people feel this way or a lot of people yeah. can relate. Like, she smoked in the house. Mm-hmm. Very specific about your grandmother, yes. I'm assuming. Uh-huh. Did you call your grandmother grandma? What did you call her? I called her, her Grandma Ruth. Grandma Ruth, because I, you know, because I'm from East Tennessee, uh-huh. and my um, my grandfather on my mother's side, I didn't call him this, but my cousin did. He called him Peepaw. Oh yeah. Did a you lot. know any Peepaws? I didn't have a Peepaw, but I I know a lot of. And a Meemaw. Yeah. So Peepaw and Meemaw, those are definitely Southern. You know. <laughs> yes. I mean, I grew up in Washington State, <laughs> yes. and so it was Grandma and Grandpa or Grandma right. and Pop. Yeah, me too. I and, was as well. But I know so many of my friends in Nashville who had a Peepaw and a Meemaw. <laughs> I know. I kind of wish I'd called them Meemaw and Peepaw, but I never yeah, did. It was I always mean, my cousin, Barry, who still lives at home, so it explains yeah. a lot, really, doesn't it? I mean, Meemaw is such a great term. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yes. yes. So uh, this is about your Meemaw, who you didn't call Meemaw. Yeah. But a lot of people absolutely see their own grandmother in that song that has been that song is such a lesson to me in write what you know Mm -hmm. which is what my mom has always told me because i wrote that song i wrote it um i can get on a on a real kick where i listen to the same song over and over and i had been out um, i was actually out in california at the time and i i do more driving there than when i'm in nashville Cause you know, you just, you're going to sit in your car longer and, yeah. you know, so my way when I'm out there to justify that time in the car is to listen to podcasts or music and not, not feel like you're just sitting there. And, um, I was listening to Merle Haggard are the good times really over for good on repeat. That song always takes me back to my grandparents because a, they listened to Merle Haggard and B, they were of that are the good times really over for good generation. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about them and that generation, and and I, I thought about how they smoked in the house, and I was like, oh, I want to write a I want to write a song about that generation, and so I started this song called "They Smoked in the House," and I'm like doing all this research on that generation and trying to make it really broad, mm. and I remembered a guy that I've written some songs with who I so admire, Mark D. Sanders. Was a fantastic songwriter. I remember he told me, to be general, you must first be specific. Or to be universal, you have to be specific. And I thought, you know, I'm not nailing this song. And I think it's because I'm trying to be general. And really, this is about my grandma. Mm. And as soon as I turned it to She Smoked in the House, the research went out the window. Because you knew it already. Yeah, I knew it already. And I still spent a lot of time on it because I wanted to get it just right. But I really thought when I wrote that song, that song was just for me. And I almost thought like my grandma co-wrote it with me from heaven, you know, because I, I, I think part of why it took so long was I enjoyed those memories. Of course, yeah. And so then when I, you know, when it gets time to make a record, I'll turn in a bunch of songs to the label and I'll know, I, I always kind of know my core of what I want to do. Um, but they always have a few others that maybe aren't on my short list. And that was at the top of their list. She smoked in the house. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeff Sosnow, who, who I work with there, he was like, this is my number one. This is a have to. And so 
And then same thing when I gave Brandy a batch of songs to, to look at that was near the top of her list. And and then so I was excited to put it on the record when we put it out and I saw the reaction. It just reminded me that we all think that we're so different, mm. that our experience is so different from everyone else's. And we're all a lot more the same. And I have people, you know, this one guy who's a, a dear friend of mine who's Jewish. I would never think a Jewish grandmother would be like my grandma. <laughs> right. And yeah. he texted me and said, oh, my God, this is my grandma. She cut the mold off cantaloupe and cheese. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he goes, she didn't smoke, but the rest of this, you know. And I just thought, man, that's just amazing. I'm so glad that through my wanting to just pay tribute to my grandma that so many other people have felt seen and you know and also are able to pay tribute to yes, their grandmother that's with, exactly with more than song. feeling seen they get to pay tribute to their grandmother it's a wonderful thing uh brandy clark is a self-titled album it is our special guest today <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about all kinds of things including shuck the musical which we'll get to in a moment but i want to go back to when 12 stories came out okay because I think that was such a landmark record for so many people. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe it was as recent as it was, if yeah. that makes sense, because it seems like it's been a part of my life for so long. And, you know, talking I about that. things that are specific mm -hmm. that I can relate to, you know, Pray to Jesus is absolutely my entire family, you know, in every way. Mm -hmm. You pray to Jesus, you play the lotto, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one of those records that, I think a lot of people who think that they don't like country or Americana yeah. totally relate to and get with. I know I've seen that with countless friends of mine. Mm -hmm. And when I've played, if I've DJed events and stuff and I play mm -hmm. something from it, even an event that's not country, people always come up and ask me about that song. I didn't know that you had landed in Nashville with the dream of being a performer originally, yes. but then went and, you know, got, got the songwriting thing going on. So tell us about that. When did you move to Nashville? I moved to Nashville, I think it was the end of 97. Okay. I know I moved there on August 20th of the year I moved. You remember the day specifically? I do. And here's how I, rem I always remember it, because I had a ticket to go home on December 20th. Okay. And so I thought, okay, well... For, I'll have four months here. Uh -huh. And I always got really homesick. And Nashville was no different. I got I got a little homesick yeah. there, too. Um, but I thought four months is a good go of things to, like, get myself settled. And truthfully, I didn't get really homesick until I came back the first time. But, I mean, that's a whole other story. But I remember I, I got there on August 20th of that year. I think it was 97. Um, and, you know, just... I came in not knowing anything mm. other than I loved country music and isn't that sometimes a great way to go about it? Totally. I think because you know when I when I've landed in situations whether it's landing in London or, mm -hmm. or you know I, I moved to New York City when I was eighteen and I had no idea how anything worked. Right. So that meant that I was free to kind of decide I could do anything. I might not have been able to actually do mm -hmm. it, but I didn't know the rules. Yes. And so it just meant that I just put myself out there and I wasn't afraid because I didn't think, oh, you're actually supposed to do mm -hmm. that before you do that. Was that kind of what happened for you in Nashville? Yes. I mean, if I could change one thing mm. about how my Nashville journey went, it would have been that I would have dove in a little harder sooner. Right. I finished college in Nashville, okay. which I don't want to say I regret that because I don't. 
But I look at my friends like Shane McAnally is a great example. He moved to Nashville. He left college and just jumped into the music scene. And I always was like halfway at the beginning, kind of half in, half out because I had that school portion. Mm. And I was going to Belmont. And so, you know, you're in the music business program there. But it's not the same as being, you know, trying to get a publishing deal. Yeah. Those, those sorts of things. But I do think, you know everybody's journey is what it's supposed to be. Yes. Um, and I obviously needed that time in school and I'm glad I have that degree. I don't, I hope nobody from Belmont is hearing this. And thinking <laughs> different cause I am, I am really happy for my time there. Um, but I think, you know, if you want to do it, you just have to do it. Yeah. That's the only way to do anything is to just get your hands dirty. I agree. Yeah. You just dive in. Yes. But you had a, a You've had immense success mm-hmm. as, as, as a songwriter and, and songs that everybody knows and everybody loves from kind of across the country spectrum. Uh-huh. You know, country music and all its country cousins, I always yes. say, for like all the, the, all the genres. country cousins, I love that. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Like, you know, when trying to describe like all uh-huh. the different sides of country, it's country music and all its country yeah. cousins. You know, Mama's Broken Heart, Follow mm-hmm. Your Era. I mean, we could list them on and on and on. But while that was all happening and you're finding this immense success... Was there, obviously there was still something going, I got another side to me here that I need to get out there. Well, you know what's crazy? It came about two ways. My, I always, there are, there are failed artists who become successful songwriters. Yes. I always feel like I was a failed songwriter become artist. Really? Because 12 Stories was really, a lot of that was out of my frustration with songs not getting cut. Oh, okay. I got you. And that song came out, or that record came out right around the same time as I started to have some hits as a songwriter. And so people are always shocked when I say that. But I had had 15 years of a lot of, like, near misses. Right. And so a bunch of things popped for me at once. But when I was making 12 Stories, I was not a successful songwriter. Okay. Yeah, and so there's that. And I also think there's something powerful in... Right about the time I let go of being an artist is when it happened. Isn't it amazing how yes. that works? I I thought, okay, that's just not the dream that's going to come true for me. I need to move on. Right about then is when it got real serious. Right. You know, and as some of it, I started writing with Shane, who I mentioned, and Jesse Joe Dillon, and they would want me to sing the demos. And Nashville at that point was a very demo-driven town, right? Which you know means when you were writing songs, you'd go into a studio with with a band, and you'd make a proper demo recording. Doesn't happen that way as much anymore. Um, I think it's because just pop it on TikTok now. Well, yeah, and then there's like track guys that build the track while people are writing, and so that's the demo. But at that time, it was still very much like you know you were writing songs to do a demo session every every couple of months, right? And I had been told not to sing my own demos because around the time that Gretchen Wilson hit, I remember being told, your voice is a little too Trisha Yearwood. Uh, you know, so you need... Can you imagine yeah, that as a, as a problem? Yeah, I mean, and, and I guess just the problem was Gretchen was what was on the radio and, sure. and Trisha wasn't, um, which is sad to me that there'd ever be a time that Trisha Yearwood wasn't on the radio. But... I digress. So I had kind of gotten into my head that I shouldn't be singing my demos. And when I started writing with Shane and Jesse, they were like, well, who else would we want to sing them? And so that kind of reignited it a mm-hmm. little. And then I got approached about making a record and and we were writing all these songs like Pray to Jesus that really, 
I want it in the world. And that's how it happened. Well, I'm so happy it happened. I know yeah. you are as well, but oh, yeah. as as a fan, you know, and as somebody who loves music um, and, and can relate to all that stuff, I'm so happy that that happened. Um, Thank you. Brandy Clark is our special guest today here on Absolute Radio Country. I mentioned Follow Your Arrow there a little bit earlier. Do you think that the, when that song originally came out, and U.S. country radio had a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they had a problem with it because of the light up a joint bit of it or the kiss lots of boys or, or lots of girls part of it? You know, it's probably all of that. I was always like, it's not the joint bit. Mm-hmm. Because we've had that for country in country music for so long. It's clearly the kiss lots of boys mm-hmm. or kiss lots of girls, if that's what you're into bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, it became a big hit, and they were all like, oh, actually, here's yeah. a Follow Your Arrow by Casey Well, you know, it was never really a hit. Was it not? No. Because here, I feel like it was, because I mean, we love it, and we still play it yes, weekly. Yes, when I play it, it feels like a hit. I've been to Casey's shows. When she plays it, it, it feels, feels like, like a hit. Yeah. yeah. And it was the lowest charting single to ever win CMA Song of the Year. Isn't it funny and, the perception that we have about things like which, that? Which, you know, but it also goes to show you, because I'm always reminded when, like, if something doesn't go my way, like, let's say, let's say I'm nominated for something and I don't win, or I don't even get nominated. And then I think back on, you know, when I was just a kid, or not even just a kid, but a young adult, and I was just a fan. I didn't know mm. the inner workings. I didn't know who won what. Yeah. I didn't know what songs didn't went number care. one. You know, a song like Follow Your Arrow, it penetrates beyond what a hit song can even penetrate. And it was so important for so many people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not just the gay community, but I think anybody, you know, within the whole LGBTQI yeah. spectrum, but also people who aren't within that yes. spectrum. I think anybody who feels kind of outside, because I mean, I always felt outside mm-hmm. growing up in East Tennessee and, and kind of never fitting into a mm-hmm. specific box. And so even as an adult where, you know, now I kind of don't care and mm-hmm. I don't want to fit into a box, mm-hmm. it's still so affirming to have a song like that out there. And also affirming to have artists like you and and Brandy Carlisle mm-hmm. as well, who are just kind of like, yeah, this is me, I'm mm-hmm. out, so what? Doesn't feel like a big deal at all. Did, mm-hmm. Does it feel like a big deal for you to be out in country music? It doesn't. But I think I'm one of those country cousins. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Because I'm not really in the... Ma- well, I shouldn't say not really. I'm not in the mainstream. Right. And so I don't... I don't know what it would feel like if I were. You know, I don't know mm. what that... You know, because I don't know anybody in the mainstream... Um, who's other than out? T.J. Osborne, right? Who's yes, out, you know, I got you. And so, yeah, none of us do. Yeah, so that doesn't mean there aren't gay people in the. Oh, mainstream. I absolutely know that. Yeah, but and out. so, yeah. Um, so I I love where I sit because I don't think to me like being who I am and just being that there is like you can't put a price tag on it. No, there's such a freedom in just loving yourself. And not, you know, as someone who, I mean, I didn't grow up knowing I was gay, but once I realized that in my early adult years, there's a lot of self-loathing and shame in that. Absolutely. And and that's about being in the closet. Mm-hmm. And so once you come out of that closet, you can chip away at that. Yeah. I would not go back to that no. f- for anything. No, me either. Um, you know, <laughs> I always say the only thing that grows in a closet are mushrooms. Like, <laughs> unless you're a mushroom, stay out of it. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. 
it, I don't think it matters how much success a person has if they're carrying that around. It's a huge thing to carry around yes. on your shoulders. I agree. Um, well, thank you for just being you because mm-hmm. I think it's so important for so many people to see that and just to see it. I mean, it feels even weird to talk about it like, you know, that it's normal. You mm-hmm. know, it's a weird thing to talk about because it is normal. And mm-hmm. and it, it, sometimes it feels like it's such a bigger deal than it actually is. Mm-hmm. It might be a big deal for somebody yeah. who has a problem with it or somebody who isn't out. And mm-hmm. I recognize that. But, um, yeah, so much better out. And I never get... I never get upset with people who are in the closet. Everybody's got their yeah. own reasons, right? Yes, and everybody has their journey. And I just always feel like, oh, I hope they can get to a place where they don't have to live in this dark, shameful spot. Do you think it's getting better in country music? I do. I, well, I just think it's getting better in the world. Yes, and in I, parts of the world. Yeah, and I yeah, parts of the world. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, I just think, you know, country music is a microcosm. Yeah. Um, I think that's the right word for it. If it's not, I, that's the right word. That feels like so the right word. So it's you know it's a microcosm of a larger society, and so I think as the larger society gets better, gets more open, country music gets more open. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And and you know obviously a long way to go, but so much further than we were. Mm-hmm. So much further than we were. Uh, before you go, we have to talk about shocked. I love talking about Shuck. I love talking about Shuck, too, because I talk about it a lot on the radio because I saw it in New York a few weeks ago, right before uh, the Tonys. I love that. Because uh, I'm a big musical theater fan and uh, lived in New York for a little while and uh, was over there. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. obviously, I have to go see this. Uh, written with uh, Shane McAnally uh-huh. that, that you mentioned earlier, that you've written loads of songs with. I remember... I. Because I grew up on Hee Haw, mm-hmm. and it was you know one of the few things that the family could sit around and agree yes. on. And I remember you know however many years ago it was, some little news blip coming across yep. my desk saying Hee Haw the musical, yes. and I thought, well, tell me more about this. Obviously, that didn't happen, but that's what became shocked. Yes. And what a, a, is it a different side of your brain doing kind of musical theater? Yes and no. The the biggest challenge for for writers like Shane and myself who have been taught to write a whole story in three, three and a half minutes. Oh, yeah. Is that you can't tell the whole story. Yeah, you just have to tell part yes. of the story as you go. So you can't reveal too much. And <laughs> yes. So that's a challenge. And then, you know, we when we started to do well was when we quit trying to write musical theater songs right. and just wrote what we would write. Just wrote good songs. Yeah, and we let our we had a great music director and Jason Howland who knew how to musicalize our music and not lose the integrity of the rootsy country Americanness of what we were writing, but musicalize it enough for Broadway audiences. Yeah. So that was a that was a gift to have him. And it is, it, it's it's so funny. Shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were asking me how it was, and I said I literally slapped my knee multiple times, mm-hmm. like genuinely slapped my knee multiple times. But also, I suppose if you wanted to really dig in there, there's also an important message there. I mean, it mm-hmm. is about this community that has virtually cut itself off yes. from the rest of the world and mm-hmm. and you know all the functions that happen within that and then something happens so they have to kind of go out into the world yeah. and some are trusting of people outside uh-huh. of their world and some aren't. I'm summing it up very badly here, but I don't want to no, reveal... No, you're summing it up really well, actually. Okay, so I was thinking it, it, it's that. got 
there is a message in there as mm-hmm. well, along with all this wonderful music and and this kind of yuck yuck comedy mm-hmm. that comes along with it. So it must have been such a joy to see how well it was received and nominated for a slew of Tony Awards. Yes, um, Alex Newell, who brings the house down. Yes. Every night, I'm told, certainly on the night that I was there, uh-huh. first um, gender non-conforming artist out gender mm-hmm. non-conforming artist to ever win a Tony. Mm-hmm. There were two given that night yes. to non-binary performers. Um, so again, making a huge statement with, with wonderful art, but um, also yourself and Shane McAnally uh-huh. nominated, Shuck nominated for Best Musical, yes. which is huge. So, um, and now it's coming to London. Yes. I don't know exactly when, but we're told 2024. Okay, so next year. Yeah. And it's been great to be here right now. Yeah. My hope is that it's over here around this time because, I mean, I, I always love it here because I love the people here. Yeah. But I always get a little depressed because I've never seen the sun. This is the first trip yeah, really I have sunny, seen the yeah. sun here. And so <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let's Chuck come over here at this time. Of year. It's so That's what beautiful. we're all like, by the way, never seeing the sun. And then, you know, this time of year, we're like, oh, ah, it's so nice. You know, growing up in Western Washington, I grew up not seeing the sun. So sure. I get that. But it's been a long time since I've lived in just where it's gray all the time. Yeah. Um, well, Shucked will definitely bring the sunshine. That is true. It will bring the sunshine or at least the golden corn. Um, <laughs> yes. I love what you said about it. Because it is a corny musical. I tell everybody that. But the corn is a euphemism for growth. You know, the corn starts to die that surrounds the town. And the only way that they can get the corn to live is to bring an outsider in. And so the message is, if if you're not willing to love outside people or outside ideas, you will die. Yeah. It's it's so good, and um, I'm so excited that it's coming. I mean, do you you probably need a new peanut for yeah <laughs> for the UK? Yes. I mean, hello. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to. You know, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you facts. I did get my equity card in America with the bus and truck tour of Pinocchio okay. the Musical. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I can put you on the short list, please. Yeah, um, you know, we the thing, and this says a lot to me about how much how much fun the cast has. Of of performing this, they're the original Broadway cast. Mm. I don't really know, you know, I don't really know many Broadway casts that go tour or, you know, they're they're the Broadway cast. Yeah, we got emails from three of them the day that it was announced, saying that they want to come to London. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Yeah. Who wouldn't want to come? Was Peanut one of them? He was. He, he needs some time off, surely. Yeah, yeah. We'll sort it out. He was. Um, well, when Shocked comes, we'll be shouting about it. So we'll make sure okay. that everybody is there because it is such You'll a wonderful... You'll have to come to opening night. Oh, Sorry to interrupt you, but... I absolutely love yeah. to come to opening night. I'll be there with bells on, sing, singing along. Mm-hmm. Um, we might add a song. Oh, you're going to add a new song Maybe. from London? Well, we did a... Robert Horn and I, Shane was was sick, so he wasn't a part of this or he would have, or he would have been involved in it also. We did... A um, the Sunday before the Tonys, we did a, a performance for Tony voters and super shocked fans. Right, and we sang songs that had been cut from the show, okay. and and some that were in it, just to to talk about the journey. And there was a song I always fought for called "Plowed." It was never in a production. We did it in one reading. The response that that song got 
there were so many emails the next day saying, okay, we have to add Plowed. So my hope is we add it for London. Right, something new for London. Yeah. And also, I suppose some of the jokes, I mean, because yes. it seems like it's the type of show that maybe, even though I know a show gets set and yeah. there it is, but it seems like, because some of them are quite topical, uh-huh. the jokes, and so... Um, oh, we're, Robert Horn, who wrote the book, yeah. he has... He has drawers full of jokes. He loves to go in and rewrite. So there will be, he will tailor it for a British audience. Well, we cannot wait. I've taken up so much of your time. Thank you for well, sitting here. I've enjoyed here and... every second of it. I could keep talking. Me too, yeah. but um, I'm going to have to let you go because you've got London to explore in the yeah. sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Brandy Clark, thank you so much. Thank you. The Country Music Talk podcast from Absolute Radio Country. An in-depth look behind the scenes at the world of country music. Thank you so much to Brandy Clark for joining me on the Country Music Talk podcast. And while you're here, just make sure you hit subscribe and you'll never miss the biggest stars in country music in conversation. I'll catch you next time. If you enjoy the Country Music Talk podcast, chances are you'll also enjoy Absolute Radio Country. It's the place where real music matters. And we love country music just as much as you do. You'll find us online on the free Absolute Radio app on digital radio throughout the UK. Or just ask your smart speaker to play Absolute Radio Country. 